Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance His kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. That's not true. But I'm hoping that this morning there is a reality that begins to change in your heart that you even begin to ask the question of saying, maybe there is more. Maybe I do have a purpose. There's this book by Chris Hodges called What Next? And he makes this really bold statement. He said, this is a pastor. He has multiple campus, like I'm talking 40,000 people. And this was his comment. He says, I estimate that nine out of 10 people who know God do not know their God-given purpose. And for a, for a pastor, to me, that is staggering. That means like this little handful right here, those are the only ones that know their purpose, but all the rest of you are completely confused, trying to figure out what we want to be or what God has called us to be or our purpose or, or maybe asking the question and saying, Lord, did you mess up with me? Nine out of ten don't realize that. Now, I don't know if that's statistically correct if I went around and I po- polled the church, but I would be pretty confident that most of us are confused with what God has called us to, what purpose we have, what giftings we have. Maybe we just don't know. But I believe that God is going to begin to reveal that purpose in your life, that you would know for the hope that He's called you and what He's purposed you for. Ephesians 1.18, it says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which He has called you, the riches of His glorious inheritance for His holy people. So there has to be an opening of the eyes of our heart. There has to be an, we have to see what God sees. We can't see as man sees, but we have to see as God sees of what He's put inside of us. You know, it says God looks at the heart, but man look at what? The outward appearance. You know, there's many people that if you look from the outside, look like they have it all together, but if you, if you really could see into the windows of their heart, their life is falling apart. But that's how God sees it. He sees the heart. He sees internally. We see externally. We have to see as God sees. I'm going to start off this series with a very strong statement that says, if you do not know your purpose, you will never be all that God has called you to be. But a life filled with God gives you a purpose, and that changes everything. You can't say, I'm a follower of Christ, and oh, I just don't know what I'm supposed to do, Pastor. No, I'm just living a life of insignificance. Soon as you become a follower of Christ, your life is now significant. Now, when we're not a follower of Christ, we're just kind of muddling around in our own chaos, our own sin, and we're probably not living lives that are that significant. According to God's standard, it says, you know, our greatest, you know, our greatest works, all the things we do are as filthy rags, so there's no kingdom merit apart from Christ. But when we are a follower of Christ, when we receive Christ into our heart, there should be a complete change of passion, of desire. I've seen many people go through a lifetime of not knowing what to do. They come to the knowledge of Christ, and all of a sudden they see what they're built to do. Now, sometimes they're doing it all along. They just didn't realize that that was a gift or a calling that God had placed in their life. Now, I've seen this in the music industry a lot. You see guys that are, you know, secular artists that are excessively, extremely gifted in the musical realm. Now, I believe that those are gifts that God has bestowed on each of those individuals. They've just used them to glorify the world rather than glorifying the king. But it says in Scripture, it says the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. It means that he gives them to us and he bestows them on us and he wants us to use them for his kingdom. 
Now, the choice is up to us. Do we want to use them to glorify ourselves or the world, or do we want to glorify the king? I see that often. Gifts, talents, skills, abilities. People that are smart, smart. Like I mean, it just hurts my head to talk to them because I don't know what they're talking about, so you've got to tone it down a little bit. You ever talk to somebody like that? Everything they're talking about, I don't even know what you're talking about. I feel like I'm kind of intellectual, but you're making me feel like I don't know anything. What are you talking about? Right? Use what God has given you. But a life filled with God gives you a purpose, and that changes everything. So purpose, by definition, is the reason for which something is done or created or for which something exists. So this is a motive, a cause, a reason, a a basis, an aim, an objective, or a goal. So when we talk about purpose, your motive for life. You know, and I know it's hard for a lifetime to just be encouraged and to live lives of just being excited. You know, there's, there's hills and valleys in our life. We realize that. You know, but what is our main motive? What is the cause? What is our reason for existence? Is it just to pursue the American dream? Now, I think there's a lot of people that see that as the pinnacle of success. Well, if I have a house and I have a car and I raise my kids and, you know, and then they get a job and all of these things happen and I make enough money that I can retire one day, that this is the American dream. Is that the purpose and the motive for everything we do? I think a lot of us have really bit into that. Retirement and, you know, big houses, big boats. You know, the problem with the American dream, it always gets bigger. You know, I've had a few people challenge me. Uh, you know, I was talking to one of them. He says, I was talking about, man, it'd be cool to buy land or something. He says, man, do it now. You're getting, you're getting older. You'll never be as young as you are now. If you're going to do it, do it now. And then I start thinking, but why? Why would, I, why, would I, why would I just, you know, God would, I mean, am I not content? You know, and I guess that's the problem. I have learned to be content in every season of my life. Whether I make a whole lot of money or if I just make a little bit, because money is not my source of stability. It's the tools that I use to survive, but that is not what causes me to have good days or bad days, employed or unemployed. How many of y'all remember my old truck? I drove that thing for a long time. It was a 2000. That thing was almost vintage when I got rid of it. So I got my new truck, and I trusted God with that truck. I don't know if you know this or not, but that truck is now paid off. So my wife and I are 100% debt-free again. I say that often because I want you to know that it's achievable. It's doable. Biden helped me expedite my payment plan, if you know what I'm talking about. So I don't know what you did with your uh, Biden support, but let's, well, that's another conversation. But the faithfulness of the Lord... And the stewardship of everything that he has given us allows us to have, our Lord, has, to have the Lord as our source, not man or a job or a church or anything. We trust in the Lord. Amen? You know, to accomplish purpose, the first thing you have to understand what is what purpose is. And then keep that at the center of your focus. So let's think about a craftsman for a minute. Somebody who builds something. or And if you've ever seen somebody who is a woodworker or a machinist or whatever they are, they are, a, they are excellent at what they do. But one thing about a craftsman, they just don't start building with no focus, with no guide, with no significance. But a true craftsman will envision what he wants to create prior to creating it. 
This was not the case with my kids' playset. I started putting two by fours together and just kind of, I'd shake it. It felt st- stable, so I just kept putting it. I didn't draw up the schematics, what I wanted it to look like. It was one of those, Dad, what is this going to be? I don't know. I'll let you know when it's done. That was the extent of my craftsmanship, you know, so we start putting it together and it held it, you know, but a true craftsman will write it out. He'll think about it. He will give significance per, a significant purpose to the design before he even starts working the masterpiece. So we have to realize that in our life, God does the same thing. He doesn't just kind of start molding and shaping and say, well, we'll see what it's going to be. But when God built Derek, he had a specific design in mind. When God built Greg, he says, man, this was going to be special. And he formed and he fashioned it. When he made Jessica, he said, Lord, you know, this is going to be special. I'm going to put my handiwork. That craftsmanship was going to be there. But you realize he says that about all of you? Because I don't want you to get caught up. Well, Derek's important. You know, he said his name, Jessica, is important. Greg's important because that's the only three that passed. No, that's not. That's what the enemy wants you to hear. But this morning, you got to realize that there is purpose and significance in each of you. Even in your children, parents. Even when they're driving you nuts, there's still purpose and significance in their life. And as a mother and a father, it is your responsibility to see that purpose and that gifting and calling at an early age and reinforce that with your words and your actions. Because most of the time we grow up not knowing who we are or what we're called to be because nobody has ever spoken over us. Now, many of us in the room have had a word spoken over us where we know what we've been called to do. We have just not stepped into it yet. And ultimately... That's your fault, especially if the Lord has spoken it multiple times and you know what you're supposed to be doing. Maybe some of you this morning say, well, Pastor Noah, I'm just taking a break. There's no time to take a break. I believe we are closer, and we really are, we are closer to the Lord's return than we've ever been. When is his his return? We don't know. But I believe that it is is a mark of God on our life to, to fulfill our purpose until the Lord shows back up or we breathe our last breath. There's no clocking out in the kingdom. You have to realize that. Oh, I'm, I clocked out, Pastor Noe. I'm, I'm, I'm a 410 guy. I only work Monday through Thursday. The weekends are mine. We never clock out in kingdom work. But we co-labor with that which Christ has built us and purposed us for, and we use those things for his glory. You know, um, so if we think about this craftsmanship, you know, if we have a hammer and we have a nail, we know that a hammer is built to drive a nail. But let's say we separate the two and you're just a hammer, right? Because we have to see in the kingdom of God, each of us have been given an intentional, specific design. But sometimes it'll feel insignificant because if I have a hammer over here and I have a nail over here, but that hammer never sees the nail, guess what? The hammer feels pretty insignificant. Well, I'm here all day waiting around. What am I supposed to do? But that hammer never makes sense until the nail comes into the picture. Same thing. The nail can be over here crying with all his brothers and sisters in the big box. We're just nails waiting to get pounded on right in the good life, right? <laughs> Sitting over here, but it's very insignificant until the hammer shows up. But there's also a principle of different things complement different things. So let's take that same example. Let's say we have a hammer and we have a screw. I don't know if you've ever been a caveman like me and tried to drive a screw with a nail or with a hammer, right? doesn't work. Now, you hit it, it'll bend it, it'll break it, it won't go in. I mean, you can try to force it. It was never meant to be driven like a nail was. So it takes this special tool called a screwdriver or a drill to set in a screw. 
Now, if we separate all of these and put them by themselves, it seems very insignificant. But when you put them all together, it starts making sense. This is what purpose in the kingdom of God looks like. You seem very insignificant by yourself and you get frustrated. Lord, why have you given me this specific purpose when it seems insignificant? But if each person starts doing what God has called them to do, that each of you begin to serve your purpose, all of a sudden the light bulb turns on and we begin to see the things that complement each other in the kingdom. That's what happens. Because the craftsman that has built all things was intentional when he built it. He knew that the screw would need a screwdriver. And he knew that the nail would need a hammer, but the hammer would need the nail. He intertwined all these things together. So the same is true for each of us. God fashioned us. He saw us. He saw purpose. This is practically and spiritually speaking. So for us to see our purpose, it has to be viewed alongside other people to make sense. You know, just like a pastor without people doesn't make a whole lot of sense. You know, I was sitting here talking to these chairs. Might as well go home. What am I doing? Wouldn't make sense, would it? You know, what about a, uh, you know, a key without a lock? Have that lock all day. Be like, man, that lock's pretty cool. I can't open it. Can't use it for much until the key shows up that unlocks the lock. Now the key and the lock make sense. You know, what about, you know, sunglasses without the sun? Sometimes I leave them on my hat and I forget I'm all out all night. Still got the sunglasses on my head. They're not doing anything right then. I'll tell you what, when the sun comes out, I sure am thankful for my sunglasses. But we have to see that, that it's going to complement that purpose is specific. There's those special things that sometimes we don't see very often. And we don't appreciate it till we need it. One more quick example. Think about puzzle pieces for a minute. How many of you in here like to do puzzles? How many of you hate puzzles? Hey, I like to swoop in when the puzzle's almost done and say, oh, I can help you finish now. When most of the pieces are in place. But do you realize, you know, when we talk about a puzzle, you know, if we, let's say I get, I take, I bring the puzzle to you and I dump it on the table and I steal the box and I don't show you the, what's on the front of it? The picture of what it looks like, Right. How many of you know that when you are doing a big puzzle, that is a big deal? Knowing what you're doing and what it looks like matters. You know, we have to realize that the puzzle builder put that to help guide you. And in Scripture, God has marked out all of the things of significant purpose, and He's marked each of us. He's shown this right here is the template of everything that we're supposed to do in this lifetime from beginning to end. I think sometimes we're seeking God for new words and we haven't just understood what he's already said. There's specific scripture that says, this is the perfect will of God, and then it marks them out specifically. Anytime the Bible says that, pay close attention to what those three things are, those two things are. This is the reason why I have come. This is why I have created you. You know, anytime that it maps that out, pay attention to it. But we have to realize that God sees the big picture of the puzzle. Now, if we will all start assembling ourselves in place, it makes it easier. Like I said, I love to put the last piece in. If you didn't lose one piece, you know, I hate that. When you can't find it, you put the whole puzzle together and there's one piece missing. Ever been there, done that? You get mad, you want to throw the whole thing away because it's missing one piece. But how many of you know that when all the pieces around that single slot are in place, 
Even a piece that didn't look like it went anywhere. You ever had that? You're looking, there's like, there's no way this fits anywhere. You just set it aside, but when it's the last piece, it easily fits. And it serves a purpose. So sometimes, to see your purpose, I have to fulfill my purpose. And each of you have to fulfill your purpose. And if we will arm link and we will, we will fulfill those purpose, it helps others find their purpose. So if you know what your purpose is, please do what God has called you to do and built you to do. There's other people depending on you. If we're going to be the picture and the image that God has called us to be, amen? You know, today God wants our eyes to be open to the fact that we have a purpose. That's every single one of us. We have to know that we've been created with a purpose and we have to move forward to achieve it. Did you know um, that a perfected pur- purpose requires effort? You know, I think anything that is, a, uh, that, that, that is going to really glorify God requires work. You know, it's just like playing guitar. I get pretty rusty because I don't play that much, and every now and then the team allows me to be a part of the worship team. I mess up a few times a day. I'm like, ah, but I'm not practicing like I used to when I would play all the time. But I tell you what, you just don't show up playing guitar like everybody on this team. You don't just wake up one morning and say, I think I'm going to play guitar today. That is when we would not, you would go through the audition and you would not make it. <laughs> like, go back and practice. You know, my son's been working on playing guitar, and he's learning some good things, but we are polishing a gift. He's super smart, like just kind of how he's holding the guitar, how he's doing it, but he is not paying attention to what his father is telling him because his father knows how to play guitar, and I'm wanting him to learn things because I know it will help him with all the next steps. How many of you know Father God is like that too? We don't want to do what he asks us to do. We just want to do what we're comfortable with or what we already know. But we will never reach our full potential unless we do the things that he tells us to do specifically. Because he is building a masterpiece within us. Speaking over my son that that boy will learn and he'll listen to his daddy and he will be a far better musician than I've ever been. Because that's, that's what I'm pouring into him. I can't show him more than I know, but I can show him everything I do know. But we have to realize that everything that is perfected, uh, this, this purpose where people see it and it's just like, man, they're really good at what they do or they have really put time in learning that. Think about, you know, I think Elizabeth and all these hair salons, you know, they make it look so easy. You know, even I guess if they accidentally mess up, they still fix it at the end where it comes out looking great. Right? You know, it's just these artists that have just have perfected these certain things. It's just like that in the kingdom of God. You know, this is not my first time preaching this Sunday morning. And you say, Pastor, no, I don't know how you, you know, I had, a, I had a youth ask me, say, hey, how do you preach? How do you prepare? What do you do? I said, look at my notes. I have my notes to keep me kind of going in a somewhat forward path. And then every now and then the production team says, you got way off your notes today. I said, I know, it's just a guide. But, you know, I have done it. I have prepared. I have worked. I have prayed. And, you know, I try, I go back and listen to some of the streams. I kind of, I'm, I'm critical of myself, making sure I'm communicating well, making sure I'm prepared. We, I have put in the work and the time to get to where I am today. It's like that with anything. Now, I'm not saying God won't give you inspiration by the Holy Spirit to be bold and speak just for a moment, but to really polish a gift. To polish a gift, do you realize you've got to use it? Let's say God has really gifted you in the prophetic to give prophetic words. Well, you're only going to get better at releasing prophetic words by speaking the words out. Amen. 
So I get prophetic words all the time. I just never say it. Prove it to me. <laughs> Release those words. Allow the voice of the Lord to speak through you. So everything that's polished, you know, uh, perfect, perfected purpose and poly, you know, it has to be used. Okay? So we really want to have our eyes opened. So Philippians 3, 13 through 14 in the NIV, it says, But one thing I do, he says, Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So, you know, accomplishing purpose requires action, not passivity. You have to be moving. How many procrastinators are there in the house? Man, so how many non-procrastinators are there? Man, way less than the procrastinators, right? We've got to get with it. Jesus is going to come back. What have we done with the gifts that he's given us? It requires action. It requires us getting motivated. Well, Pastor Noe, one day, why not today? You know, so, but it says, you know, we have to realize that we have to be moving. We have to have action. Do you realize that your past will only define you if you allow it to? So you have to learn from your past, apply it to the present, and that's what will determine your future. I'm going to say that one more time. You, you, your past will only define you if you allow it to. Learn from the past, apply it to the present, and that's what will determine your future. If you keep doing everything you used to do and how you used to do it, you're going to be at the same place in your future as you are right now. Unless you change something in your life. So think about this for a minute. If you keep your eyes fixed on the rearview mirror, what's going to happen? You're going to wreck inevitable. Look at that rearview mirror long enough and you are going to wreck. So to be, you know, if you're driving or you're going somewhere, you have to keep your eyes looking forward. You have to, uh, you have to make, make sure that, uh, you know, you're, you're trusting in God. You're looking forward. You're looking towards the future, not what's behind you. Philippians 1.6, it says, be confident of this, that he who began a good work will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ's return. So he keeps working on us. That's what he's saying. He keeps do doing his part in our life. But he requires cooperation on our part. Being all that God has called us to be requires our participation with God. And we, and we, we need to release him to be involved in our life, and, but we got to partner with that. Say, God, you do your work, I'm going to do my work. You do what only you can do, but I'm going to do what you instruct me to do. Achieving your purpose is being obedient to what God leads you to do. Do you realize that? You say, you know, how, how, do, how, do, I, how do I discover my purpose or how do I live life of purpose? Every single day, you're obedient to what God has led you to do. Now, some of you may say, well, Jesus or God told me to do this. And it is contrary to Scripture. I see that all the Sometimes, you know, people say, oh, well, this is what the Lord told me. And I kind of scratch my head. I say, well, <laughs> he said in the Great Commission to go into all the world, preaching the good news, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, Forgiving sins, all of, the, all of these action things, right? So when you say to me, Pastor Noe, God has told me just to come to your church and to sit in a chair and just to receive. Now, it's okay for a season because I believe that you sometimes there's wounds, there's things that God is working out in you, but God wants us to be active in his kingdom. He's not called, called us to be passive people, but he wants us to co-labor with him. He wants us to participate with lives full of purpose. We have to allow God to do His part as we do our part. Do you realize that living life without Jesus, it will, you, you'll never truly understand your purpose? I see so many people that are confused with purpose, but that purpose doesn't really reveal itself till you come to the knowledge of who Jesus is. 
It's through Jesus that we discover purpose. So purpose has to start with the seeing the why you were created, realizing that God has a plan for your, why, for your life. So two ways, really, that we can identify purpose in our life is first and foremost, what's something that you really enjoy? Maybe there's some of you that really enjoy music or singing or playing, then I would probably say that's a gift, something God has put in your heart. You know, and then what's something maybe you're really good at? What are you passionate about and what are you good at? So well, I, feel, I feel like I'm a pretty good speaker, you know, and I really enjoy people. Sounds like some of that pastoral gifts that we need to be effective in ministering to people. Right? We see what those giftings are. We see what we enjoy. And we say, Lord, what does that really look like when our boots are on the ground? Not just sitting in the chairs, but when we go to work, when we're activated, when we're you know, pre-service while we're talking with people, that we are, we are really working and flowing in those gifts that God has called us to. I want you to say this with me. Say, I have been created for a purpose. And God has a plan for me. Say that one more time. I've been created for a purpose. And God has a plan for me. You need to point, point at yourself for just a minute. This guy, this girl, right? That's who God has a plan and a purpose for. If that's the only thing you get this morning, I want you to realize that. That God has a purpose for your life and he's going to reveal it to you. You know, a lot of achieving your purpose is that we have to see clearly. I remember when I was at work, I'd been there for a lot of years, and my right eye started giving me issues. For whatever reason, I, you know, I have really, really good vision, so when you have really, really good vision and your eyes give you issues, you start noticing, I cannot see like I normally do. And out at the plant, we shoot rifles, you know, we shoot handguns, moving targets, all of these things. So good eyesight, it's kind of a big deal. And uh, I was going to qualification, and I told the guy, I said, listen, I called all the, the, the lieutenants and the sewer. I said, hey, I don't know what's going on. I don't know if I can hit that target at 300 yards. You know, I had, I, my eyes were just blurred, and thank God I just aimed in the middle of the blur, and I took the target down. <laughs> Was it a good guy or bad guy? I don't know. Like that, I didn't need that to qualify. I just had to hit the target for that. So, so it was a scary moment, but I realized that I had blurred vision. You have to realize in your life when you have blurred vision or if you are seen clearly. If you can't see what it is that God has purposed you for, you got to ask, say, God, touch my eyes so that I can see myself as you see me. If you feel like you have no purpose, say, Lord, open my eyes to the purpose and the calling that you have in my life. You know, but what's crazy, I went to the doctor, they looked at it, they said, no, there's nothing wrong. And it just so happened that, the, that the, it was just some fluid or something, and it restored itself. Today, God wants to begin to remove the blindfold. He wants to clarify your vision. You know, he'll show you what you were created for. He desires to speak to you and to show you the value and the plan that he has for your life, for your purpose. You know, when we can't see, a lot of times it'll paralyze us and it'll be fearful. I tell you, when I pulled that trigger for the first time to see if that target came down, I was like, never mind, I guess I'm good. I was thinking about shooting left-handed, because it was just my right dominant eye. I said, I mean, I think I could qualify shooting left-handed. be a lot more challenging, a lot more stressful. And when your job depends on it, it's a lot of stress, right? But all of a sudden, it, the clarity began to come back. And it began, I began to see out of my eye like I was designed to see. But, you know, when we can't see, it will sometimes paralyze us when you can't see. Um, you know, we can't see what we were created for. But he'll speak to you and he'll show you um, what he's called you to. You know, 
when we don't move and we're paralyzed by what we can't see, we'll never accomplish what God has called us to. You know, it's like walking around blindfolded in a place that you've never been. How many of you know it's hard to walk around in a place you've never been anyway, much less being blindfolded? But you think about that. Not seeing your purpose, that's like what it is. It, co- it covers your eyes, and your best move is what? To not move. To freeze, to stop, because you don't want to bump anything over. You don't know where you're going. You don't know what's ahead of you. You don't know what's behind you. You don't know if you keep walking, if you'll just fall off. Of you, you don't know the variables. So when we cannot see clearly, it paralyzes us. So the biggest strategy of the enemy is to keep you blind to your purpose so that you'll be paralyzed, that you'll never walk out what God has called you to in your purpose. But today, God is in the removing of the blindfold business. He wants to open your eyes to the reason of why he has created you, the purpose and the plan. Proverbs 29, 18, it says, For where there is no vision or revelation, the people are unrestrained, which means that they will perish but happy is he who keeps the law. It's important to see where God is going so that we can follow where he leads. Uh, you know, my children are, really have a good habit most of the time, unless they're completely distracted. You know, when I'm walking in a store, I don't know. They're older now. I don't keep looking back for them. They know if dad's moving, if mom's moving, you need to pay attention. As we move, you follow. Now, if I know they're not paying attention, I'll walk real fast and then I'll get in an aisle. And then you see them look, they figured out they can't see dad, and they whoom, blow right by us. like, hey, pay attention. When we can see, it's now our responsibility to keep our eyes on the Father. Move as he moves, stop as he stops, pay attention to what he's showing you along the way, and you will discover your purpose. But it says, where there's no vision, where there's no revelation, the people perish. So without purpose or without vision, it's impossible to be all that God has called you to be. Once your purpose and vision is restored, uh, we can now fix our eyes on what we're supposed to be doing. I've always looked at this next passage real quick as far as like the blind leading the blind. So Matthew 7, 1 through 5, it's talking about judging, but there's some really some things I want to highlight in here. It says, Matthew 7, verse 1, it says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. How many of you have ever quoted that to somebody or it has been quoted to you? You can't judge me. Well, you can, but you'll be judged in according to how you judge them. So be careful how we judge people. But then it goes in verse 2. It says, for in the same way when you judge others, you'll be judged. And with the same measure, it'll be measured back to you. So you'll get what you get. You'll get what you dish out. That's what's going to come back. Verse 3, this is what I really want us to look at. It says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye while at the, time, or at the same time there's a plank in your own eye? Verse 5, you hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, then you will be able to see clearly to remove the speck from your own brother's eye. Now, the motive and the intent here is good, but the practice is wrong. You know, because, you know, like, you know, I've had my kids get something in their eye or my wife and said, hey, let me help you get that out of your eye. But the principle here is saying you're trying to get that small little speck, insignificant thing out of your eye when you have a plank. I mean, I don't, I, I don't know. I'm picturing like a pencil. I mean, I, what do you, when you say plank in your eye, that's a big deal. So you're walking around with a plank in your eye and you're concerned about this other person that has a little speck. But you realize both of these people can't see real good. So what's the principle here? i got to get that plank out of my eye first and foremost before I can help that person get the little speck out of their eye. 
But then once I get the plank out of my eye, it probably would be encouraging if I can't get it out of my eye to get somebody else to help me to get that little speck out of my eye. Have you ever tried to do it or you can't get it because every time you try to grab it, you're like flinching and your nerves are freaking you out and you can't get it out. And then it takes just a second. My wife will come up or just be like, hey, just be still. Okay, it's gone. You already got it and you're super excited that you got that little speck out of your eye. But, you know, also see the blind leading the blind. Oh, hey, follow me. No, 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 you follow me. Hey, I know where we're going. Hey, where are we going? I don't know. Where are we at? How do we get home? The blind leading the blind. When there is no clear purpose and there's clouded vision and you can't see what God has called you to, it's like the blind leading the blind. But God wants to open your eyes. He wants to supernaturally show you his purpose. But there's also things that are in your life that maybe need to be removed that are clouding your vision. I think that's that speck. That's that plank. What is it that's causing you not to see? Whatever it is, and the Lord begins to identify it, allow Him to remove that from your life. You know that your brothers and your sisters in Christ usually can see a gifting and calling in your life quicker than you can? For whatever reason, you know, I've seen this. Man, you got this gift in your life, and I don't know if you realize it. Hey, you got a gift of hospitality. You have the ability to preach. You're an encourager. Like, we, we, we see all of these things in people, and then it's, it's so weird to me because I think us as the receiver, who, me? Like, we don't see that. We're like, I don't see that within myself. Our eyes have to be opened. If you see somebody telling you the same thing multiple times as far as a gift or something positive in your life, pay attention to those things. Most people are not just encouraging people like that to puff them up. Now, I've seen on the other side where people are just cruel words to tear you down. That's the kind of society we're in. But if people are encouraging giftings and callings and things of God, and especially if it's in the body of Christ, among, among your pastors and leaders and friends and brothers and sisters, when they're speaking something over your life, pay attention to what they're saying, especially if it's consistent. And say, Lord, is this something a gift of purpose that is in me that I don't see. And then, then allow him to open your eyes. You know, to give you a short answer of what fulfilling your purpose involves, it would be you and understanding what you and I were created for, but that we were created for God's pleasure, to f- fulfill his plans and his purpose during our time on earth. So realize that it's his purpose, his plan, and his pleasure. When we look at that, we have to realize that the focus must be on him. Keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus in the present ensures your future. Matthew 14, 29 through 31 uh, is when Peter's getting out of the boat in verse 29. And he says, he says, come, Jesus is talking to him, he said. And Peter got down out of the boat and he walked on the water and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink and he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus rescued, reached out his hand, and he caught him. And he says, you have little faith. He said, why did you doubt? But the moment he saw the wind, the moment he saw the circumstances, he forgot the word of the Lord. It said, come and walk on the water. But really, the, the issue was what his eyes were fixed on. What the focal point of his focus was, as he looked at Jesus, he walked on the water. The moment he took his eyes off of Jesus and he began to look at the situation or the circumstance, he began to sink. That'll preach and that'll speak something to your life if you dig in a little bit there and think about that. Are your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith? That's who he is and that's what he does. Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13, we've probably all heard this passage, but it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. 
Plans to what? Prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Verse 12, then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. These are promises in God's word that he will faithfully fulfill. But it requires something of you. But he, will, he plans to prosper you, not harm you. Plan to give you a future and a hope. So God desires that your spiritual eyes be opened and for us to see his plans clearly. Proverbs 4.25. How many of you like Proverbs? You read them often or every now and then? But they're usually short and they're precise and they're right on point. But Proverbs 4.25, it says, Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. You guys stand up with me. We're going to close. I don't know if uh, my wife, she always blames when she trips on something that she's clumsy. Now, some of you, hey, you say, that's me, Pastor Noah. You may be clumsy, but if you will keep your eyes fixed before you of where you are traveling. Yeah, eyes on path, seeing what's, what's coming up. The likelihood of you tripping and falling will greatly be reduced. You know how many wrecks probably happened because we weren't paying attention? What do you mean you weren't paying attention? Do you realize what you were doing? You were supposed to be driving. Looking forward. Pursuing our purpose. I don't know what you've achieved or what you feel like you've achieved or accomplished in this life up to this moment. But we can't control yesterday. All we have is this moment right now in our life of uncharted purpose before us. I even in my heart say, Lord, I don't want to arrive and be where I've hit the pinnacle of my journey with you, Lord, that you would continue to even show me the purpose that you have for my life. But today that you would choose to walk in a life of purpose and significance and realizing that God has purpose for you. I think some of us don't want to pursue purpose sometimes because we're afraid of failing. You know, you could never become anything great with, apart from failure. Better to try and to fail than to never try at all. I always tease everybody, say, if you're going to flop, flop hard. Go big or go home. You got one life. You got one chance. You got one moment. You have today. But you have the rest of your life to make up for maybe all of those Moments of maybe not pursuing purpose. What will you do with the rest of the days that you've been given? Some of you say, Pastor, no, I don't know. That's why we're talking about this series. Because we want you asking those questions. Lord, what am I built to do? Why did you create me? And I believe as we navigate through this series, you will be, there will be clarity and you'll say, I know what I'm supposed to do. I know what I'm built to do. And then guess what? If you don't do it, you know whose fault it is? It's your fault. Because God has shown you what you're supposed to do and what he's called you to do. Some of you have stepped out of your purpose because it was challenging or it was hard or it was difficult. And you realize you're not satisfied. But it's time to step back into your purpose and be and do all that he's called you to do. I want to challenge you guys in closing with this question. You know, ask God this question. Don't ask me. Don't, you know, don't just say it for everybody else. But here's what I want you to ask God. First and foremost, why did you create me? And what have you purposed for me 
to do. Why did you create me and what have you purposed for me to do? And make this personal. That you would ask the Lord this. And that he would show you. Let me pray for you. Father God, I thank you for your goodness to us. Lord, that you've given us lives full of your purpose. Lord, that life doesn't have to be dull or boring or insignificant. But God, that you have purposed all the days in your book that you have for us. Father, you, you knew the end from the very beginning. And Father, I ask that we would live lives that would glorify you every season of our life. That we would know the purpose and calling for which you have called us heavenward. Father, I pray for the uh, blindfolds and the blurriness to be removed. That we would see what you've called us to. As you reveal to us what your purpose and your plan is. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you got your phone, take a picture of this slide. I I really want you to chew on this this week. Why did you create me and what have you purposed for me to do? And I believe that Father God is going to show you. Amen. All right. Hey, next week, I'm going to do a quick little blurb. We got our discovery class. And I know Becky uh, mentioned that we finally got all the curriculum in place. But if you say, Pastor Noe, I don't know what I'm built to do, what I like to do, what I don't like to do. That discovery class is built for that. We do a personality test. We do a spiritual gifts test. We try to help you navigate and answer these questions of what's your purpose to do. So we got that sign-up sheet in the back. If you want to be a part of that, join us next Sunday following the service. Meal will be provided, and we'll see what the Lord reveals to us and what he's called us to do. You guys, bring a friend next week. We're going to continue this series. You guys be blessed. If there's any specific prayer requests, you say, Pastor Noe, I got prayer about something. I need prayer. Go ahead and come on to the front. We have individuals that can pray for you. Uh, We want to make ourselves available to you. You guys be blessed. We love you. We'll see you guys next week.
Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.